So, real quick, this is Steve Sutton. He's been coming to church since about, what, last April? January. January. Has it been that? Holy cow. Man, time flies when we're having fun, doesn't it? Praise God. And so he's going to be baptized today, and he's going to be walking through his testimony, and Abra's going to be walking through her testimony. And I just took her note cards because I want this to come from the heart. Here you go. So they're given five, so everybody understands, they're given five questions um, to kind of walk through. Now we're not going to ask those five questions directly, but it's to make them think about why they're coming to this. I'm a firm believer that when you come before to confess your faith in Christ, you should understand why you're doing that. It shouldn't just be something that you're doing because everybody else around you is doing, but that you truly are confessing your faith in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the first question is, is when did you first notice that you needed Christ in your life? What was that moment that you had that aha light bulb moment? We'll start with Abra. So I grew up in a Lutheran church. Um, Being Christian was not brand new to me. I was baptized and confirmed in one. Um, Had God in my life, my my whole life from when I can remember. But I did not fully understand until um, two years, Mother's Day, two years ago. In the two or three years before that, sorry, I'm not good with speaking and I'm going to cry, so. Um, In the two or three years prior to that, my life had been turned upside down, um, threw around in any and every different direction. Um, I made choices that welcomed sin into my life without really realizing the, and understanding what that meant. Um, made, made some more choices, and um, since I was sa- not saved, I, I didn't see the sins. Um, my family could, because they had all been saved and baptized, and then they could fully see where my life was going. Um, caused us to feud quite a bit, and for anyone who knows, my family and I were incredibly close. So going anything more than just a couple days without talking was huge. Um, my dad and I and my mom, we went weeks without talking, um, following my very, very happy pregnancy announcements. Um, We went weeks without talking until my mom had called um, and had told me something bad had happened to dad. I didn't realize at that time, but that was starting the next six months, the most incredibly hard six months of my life. Um, I will not go into huge detail, um, but Dad had a stroke that, a pretty bad one. Um, my mom and I put our differences aside for as much as we could, and we just got through the next six months. Um, uphill battles. Got steeper and steeper every month. There was always a setback, and there was always hope being taken away. 
He passed away just um, 22 days before I had my first child. So taking um, huge life events, him having a stroke, stressful six months, him passing away, and me becoming a brand new mother. Life was emotional, it was crazy. My um, relationship with my boyfriend became stressed, at the very least to say. And I could um, see that falling apart as well. Something, one more thing that was out of my control. Um, the further it fell apart, the more and more my life felt like it was falling apart. And by Mother's Day, I was so consumed by anger. Um, no one in my life could do anything right. Um, I couldn't breathe right, couldn't eat right. <laughs> um, I was annoyed with everyone. I felt so angry. Um, I wanted to hit things, and, and anyone that knows me, that's not me. Um, I had no patience for anyone. I was not myself at all. Um, even started getting grumpy with my little girl, which was not okay with me. Um, so I came to church on Mother's Day, which um, I know that I did not want to be here. Um, but I came because it was Mother's Day. <laughs> and I just remember crying a lot that day. My anger finally came out in tears, and I was followed with a voice that said I needed to find somebody to help. Um, I didn't want to be like this anymore, and I wanted to be happy. I, um, after church, I asked Faith if she could talk. Just days before my dad passed away, Faith shared a story that um, personal story for her, and it really bonded us and really connected us, and I knew that I could go to her with anything, especially my grieving process. Um, went into that room and talked. Um, she asked me a question, and I had no idea that it was going to change my whole life perspective. She asked me if I was saved, and I said, um, yeah, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I guess at that moment is when I realized maybe I wasn't. Um, her honesty really helped. And she looked at me and said, sweetheart, if you think or you don't know, then you're probably not. But we can fix that. Um, <laughs> she's always been super honest and not afraid of hurting my pride. Um, so sometime in that room, I don't know if it was in the middle of the prayer or just talking to her, um, I realized that I couldn't, couldn't do life anymore without him and definitely needed Jesus. Amen. Mine uh, was a... Closer? Okay. <laughs> My life was a, a life of pretending to be a Christian and uh, I went through a lot of things that... Uh, shouldn't have gone through and uh, I came to realization that I needed Christ in my life but how to do it you know so 
I searched different churches and stuff and, and talked to different people and finally got the, the advice that, that I was willing to accept that I was a sinner and I needed forgiveness. And uh, I gave my life to Christ that day. Do you remember when that was? Uh, it was September 10th of 2007. That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good to rob back that long. So, kind of came out with you a little bit, but who's one person who's really been influential or a couple of people that have been really influential on your journey here to this point? Um, there's been a lot. Um, I, I'm going to feel bad by only naming a couple, but um, I know my mother has had lots of people in this church and outside of this church praying and praying and praying for me um, years and years and years. Um, obviously, my mom has been one of the biggest people, um, never giving up on me, even if it meant taking drastic measures to make me wake up and understand what was going on. Um, she's a really great spiritual leader for our family, and um, she's been my rock and through everything, and she's... Um, reminds me when I need to be thankful and where to put the glory and the praise. Um, and then, like I said, Faith had shared that story with me. Um, and ever since then, I've just been able to go to her with everything. Um, even since God's put many other people in my life that has helped keep my faith in check. And... Um, on the right path. Great. Steve, if you Thank can. You. Closer. Yeah. Um, Daniel Rodriguez was the guy I was talking to about uh, salvation, and I wanted to make it sure that what I was doing was correct and, and everything was, uh, you know, all the ducks are in the row. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> and. I lived about 60 years without Christ, and um, I didn't want to play fake Christianity. I wanted the real thing. So he, he got down with me, and he, he uh, told me the truth as best possible, and uh, he's, he was a big influence on my life. He, he led me, Lord. So the last question is, is, how has your life changed since you began this walk and started to pursue Christ instead of just having it something that's mentioned in the background? Um, I wish that I could say that it was like perfect now. <laughs> Sunshine, rainbows, and everything's great. Um, but it's not. Um, just to be real about it. <laughs> Um, I still battle with anger on different occasions, um, but it's a lot, a lot better. Um, there's a lot more hope. I'm myself again. Um, I think just having myself back um, 
I'm being better now. I, I think I have even more patience than I did before, which is crazy because I had quite a bit before. Um, there's been multiple blessings in my life since. Um, the more I grow and closer to him and um, form a relationship with him, there's definitely been more blessings. Um, just more hope, more happiness, more satisfied with life. And I'd like to add um, peace that God gives you. It's, did you hear it? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a satisfying way of living, knowing the Lord. It, he gives you help, and you're not alone. That's the big thing. And you're loved unconditionally. Great. So what we're going to do now is we're going to step down here, and we're going to have some people come up and pray over you. And then uh, take that. So go ahead and step on down there. I guess some people come forward, whoever feels the need to, or feels the Spirit touching them to come and pray with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we lift these two souls up to you, Lord, who have come to love you and to look forward to spending time with you in their day, Lord, to seeking you. Lord, when you stand outside of you, it's so easy not to see who you are and what it means to actually be obedient to a God who truly loves you. When you come into that love, God, you start understanding how you could never live life without it again. Lord, we're just grateful that you've touched these two souls, Steve and Abra. You've touched their heart and you've changed their lives. You never promise, promise us an easy life or a life of nothing but prosperity. In fact, the scripture gives us a, a life of constant battle against Satan's temptations. But the promise that you'll shield us and guide us, protect us from those temptations, that every time that we come before you and in obedience, follow your will, Lord, that you'll bring about good in this world. Lord, you are a gracious God, a merciful God, a God who stands before us not as, a, not as an overlord, but as a servant to the point that you came to the cross, suffered and died, that we may be redeemed, that our sins could be paid for, that we no longer had to answer for our own effects, but that we may be seen whole and become your children again. God, we ask that you help us as a body raise these two up to edify them, to, to build them. The journey is just beginning and it's a lifelong journey. May they help build us up and may we help build them up. May it be a relationship that creates strength and endurance that shows the hope that you have for this world that we know will be answered in the promises that you've given us. Lord, we just pray this through your Son, by your Holy Spirit. Amen. I always find it very funny how God works things out. 
when we set this up to do baptism probably about two, three months ago, I would have never guessed that our message would pertain to it so much today. And it's going to be a short message because we have other more pressing things to get to today than listening to me just talk. But I definitely want to share God's word today with you because that's what brings us all to this point. See, when we focus on God's word and we see who he is and what he wants for us in our lives, it's a lot easier to come before him and call him our Lord, our Savior. In Romans 16, Paul is uh, talking to the Roman church. He's finishing up this long letter that we've been walking through where he's talked about how Jesus has been our justification and has been the completion of the law and how as Christians were to live and to carry our ethics not into just our body, but into the entire world to be that light. And here he points out something that I, th- I feel is really important for today's message because of the fact that Paul being so intelligent, a lot of times intelligent people aren't really good at interpersonal skills. We all know those people. You know, they can sit there and they can teach and teach and teach, but they can't talk. They can be that person who is super smart and has all the answers but can never really have a conversation that means much outside of knowledge. But Paul here shows us that he is not just intelligent, but that he's personal, that he takes time to build relationships and these promises he's been making to the Romans about coming and and being with them and being in joy with them and sharing the peace of God with them comes to light that this isn't just lip service, but it's truly in his heart to have relationship, to be true between people. So in 16, 1 through 16, if you could please stand as we read scripture. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is the servant of the church of Sancria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Eponitas, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my fellow worker in Christ, and Stachius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are in the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcius, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobas, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we understand what it means to be together in this church. That the church extends past just these walls or this particular body, but across all of the nations. Anywhere that your name is called, anywhere that people are believers in you is your church, Lord. And we just give thanks for that. To understand that we are not alone and that we always have each other. And that we are to call to raise each other up, to build each other up. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful blessing of the church that surrounds us. Fellow believers, those who have come before us and those who will come after us that raise us up and help edify us. Lord, we just give thanks for all that you do do and all the promises that you keep on fulfilling as time goes on. Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. The message today is short. Carry a life as a Christian that others will speak about, that others will tell other people about. Live a life of testimony. Today we heard two wonderful testimonies about how God had touched two hearts at certain times, times of need where they could see that what they were doing or what was going on in their personal life was not cutting it and that they needed help. And instead of turning to the world's wisdom or other humans that simply wanted to make them feel better, they sought out Christ who wanted to make them better. See, I think sometimes we lose that sight. Christ doesn't call us to feel better. He calls us to become better. He calls us to live a life that puts us above, not other people, but above in ethics, above in morals, in a life that cannot be questioned because it follows the truth and the righteousness of God himself. Here, Paul names a ton of people. I was going to ask for a guest speaker today, but I figured you guys would call me a a weakling or a, a wimp and trying to run from it. Thanks. <laughs> but the fact of it comes down to it is he calls out people that he has personal relationship, that he knows that Christ has touched and that they are serving God in honorable ways, in ways that stand out above and beyond those around them. And so these people have probably traveled from Corinth or Ephesus where Paul had met them at some point in his life, developed relationship, and now are in Rome. See, Rome, all roads truly led to Rome back in Paul's days. So it wouldn't have been any surprise that a lot of believers from outside of Rome would have found way into Rome, just like big cities tend to collect people from the rural areas because of jobs or opportunities in business or other things. And so Paul knows that there are Christians that he knows that are there. And even though he's never been to the Roman church, even though he knows that he doesn't have a personal stake with that particular church that he's writing to, he knows other Christians who have served in a way that truly shows that they care for what God has done in their lives. That they truly have an obedient heart to follow God's will. And he calls them out so that the Romans know that they're not alone. That there's others around them and to seek them out and to help them, to help them carry the word. See, I, I, I'm a firm believer that anybody who knew Paul and that Paul called his friend or his dearly beloved was probably someone who was going to carry the message of Christ since that seemed to be so rooted or su such a, a root of Paul's existence. Paul understood that these were Christians who were going to carry their testimony to wherever they went. Paul also knew that they were Christians who had traveled to areas that they may not know a lot of people or they may not even know the local customs and was asking for the Roman church to come side by side with them. So here you have people who are trained under 
Paul or under Paul's direct prodigy who had now traveled and were now being asked to have help from the Roman church by Paul. The fact of it comes down to is we're never alone as long as our testimony carries truth to it. Because that's how we know amongst each other that we're truly Christians, that we can truly trust each other. We have to remember the Roman church, there was persecution going on all over the place. If it wasn't by the Jewish population in Judea, it was by the Romans for not calling Caesar God. So to know that you had to carry a message that may end up killing you, to carry a, a testimony that may bring about the end of your life as so many of the early believers had um, come to. It comes down to the fact that you had to know who you could trust. And here Paul is telling them, hey, trust these people. Now my question to you, Abra, Steve, everybody else in the room, is do you live a life of testimony that proves that you can be trusted by other Christians when you travel? If we were to take your word now, could I or someone else write about your faithfulness to the word of Christ and to the life of Christ and to the will of God that if we were to send you over as a missionary to China, I could write with confidence or that another Christian could write with confidence saying, accept these people for who they are for we know them to be true in the faith. Do you live a life that puts the faith at the forefront versus something that you just do Sunday mornings. Paul's not calling these people out to put them at odds or ends with the Roman church. He's calling them out to support the Roman church. He knows that he can't get there because he has work in Jerusalem before he can go to Rome. But so he sends this letter with Phoebe because she has business there. And so Phoebe's going to be going and delivering this message. And the Roman church, not knowing Paul directly, maybe have heard him as, excuse me, all those names kind of tightened me up a little bit. Phoebe is going to an area where they probably don't know Paul personally. They may know of his name and they may know of some of what he has been doing throughout the outer reaches of the kingdom but they don't know him. But yet, he knows that with his word and her life, they'll know her to be a Christian and to honor her for that and to help her in whatever needs she has when she gets there. See, that's the whole part of becoming part of the body is that you're never by yourself. You always have help. Today, we talked about the baby dedication and I had the whole church stand up. Take that to heart. We declared that we were willing to promise that we will walk side by side and raise those children as God intends them to be raised. Now, we won't be there making sure they eat their peas and their broccoli and all that stuff. Well, sometimes we might. We won't be there when bedtimes roll around. Yes, there will be parenting skills that need to be practiced and, and put into place as they go. But we as a church have a responsibility to make sure that we teach faith, not religion, that we teach lifestyle that changes lives versus a lifestyle that is hidden in the back corner because we're too ashamed to announce what we are, what we believe. As we go over to the pool to do baptisms, we have to understand that at that public confession, we as a church are standing by them saying that we will be there for you for always. Not just for today, 
next week, but for always. No matter where they travel, whether they travel to Rome and need us to send a letter saying, hey, help these people out, or whether they travel to the inner kingdoms of China, we will stand by you forever as your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And forever for us isn't just until we die in flesh, but for eternity in God's kingdom. When you come before, we don't ask you to be perfect. We accept you for who you are at this moment. And we take on the responsibility to continue growing you. Just as Paul has taken the responsibility of letting the Roman church know that there are Christians in their realm that are in need of help and to be friendly with them and to go and seek them out, you will always have that here at this church. We will always come by you whenever you have problems. We will always give you words of wisdom through Scripture because we understand that you are part of the body, that you are a part of us, and that we are a part of you. So as we head over, we're going to take communion This is our chance to come before God at the table as a symbol of our remembrance of him dying on the cross for us. I want everybody to come forward. We're going to take the the hosts. If I could have Mike, I'll have you step forward and Matt, if you could step forward. I want you to go back and then we're going to pray. We're going to ask for God to forgive us for our sins. Not that the price hasn't already been paid, but for that we remember that we are still sinners seeking and needing Christ. And then we'll take the bread and the wine or the bread and the juice in this case. Anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ is welcome at this table. Anybody. As long as you adhere and believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior and you walk in a lifestyle that truly shows that you are a Christian, Please come forward. If you're not sure what it means, what I just said, but you want to know, I'll be standing right over here. Come up and talk to me. We'll pray that God introduces himself to you, that you truly understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to come before him and confess your faith and your obedience to him. And then you can understand what it means to be loved by a God who will change your life that will look past anything that you've ever done in the past and simply see you for who he's going to move you and make you in his will and in his image. So at this time, church, please stand, come forward. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we confess our sins to you. Not just the sins of our lives, but of our forefathers and those to come, for we can remember the price that you paid on the cross wasn't just for our sin, but for all sin. It stretches for eternity, those that have happened before and those that will come. Lord, it just shows just how long and powerful and strong you are. Lord, so we take this bread as a remembrance of the body that was broken for us. Go ahead and take the bread. Lord, we stand before you and we give thanks that on the night that you were betrayed and you held up the glass of wine and you said that you would never drink of it again until you could have all of us in your kingdom again. 
Lord, we just thank you for the blood that has washed our, our sins away, that has cleansed us and made us redeemed in the Father's eyes, that we may have true communion with you. And so, Lord, we take this wine or this juice as a remembrance of that blood that you have shed for us. Heavenly Father, we lift up our lives as a living sacrifice to you. Help us be your light, to be the salt of this world, to bring your truth into all the dark places with love and compassion as a root. As you have loved us, let us love those around us. Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen.